0: Thank you for listening to Season 7, 7 Million bikes, a Vietnam podcast. I'm your host, Neil McKay. For those of you that listen to the podcast regularly, you'll know that Adrian and I have been in Vietnam now since 2016, so we know how hard it can be to find English entertainment here and meet new friends. Through the podcast and our events, we're building a community of like-minded people so you can have fun, connect with others, and discover more of Vietnam. Become a member of the 7 Million Bikes community and you'll get free tickets to our events, free 7 Million Bikes face masks, episodes a day early, behind the scenes content and invites to special events for community members. If you join the community before the end of September and live in Vietnam, you'll get a free 7 Million Bikes face mask sent to you straight away. The link is in the show description, so check it out and join today. Thank you so much to our existing community members. We look forward to seeing you again soon. This season, we've gifted sponsorship of a Vietnam podcast to two amazing charities close to our hearts, the Blue Dragon Children's Foundation in the north and Saigon Children's Charity in the south. Please check out the links in the description to learn more about these amazing organisations and donate if you can. Don't forget to follow 7 Million Bikes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, even TikTok now. Enjoy the episode, and thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. You're here with Neil Mackay, and my guest today, she is the founder of Easy English Vietnam, and Easy Vietnamese, two language centers here in Saigon. She's also known as the seasonal host on the Best Ever Food Review Show. If you don't know that, make sure you check it out on YouTube. It has, what, I think now 6 million subscribers. She'll tell us that in a minute. And she has a background in digital marketing. So welcome to 7 Million Bikes, Tween Vol. How are you today? Yeah, thank
1: you. Great intro. Uh, yeah, I'm great.
0: I should have asked before we started, did I pronounce your name correctly? Because my Vietnamese is famously bad.
1: Yeah. I say 90%.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go on, you can tell me the correct pronunciation and I will still get it wrong, but please tell me.
1: I mean, you shouldn't feel bad because, you know, Sunny on the show, he he tried many times. So it's actually Queen. Queen. Okay, I,
0: I can get Queen. Twin. That's not too okay. bad.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, and a lot of people mispronounce it as twin.
0: So tell me then. So you've got you've got two language centers. So you teach English and you teach Vietnamese. You teach English to Vietnamese students, obviously, or students who don't speak English, which could be, I guess, do you have many Korean students?
1: Oh, actually, that my my center is Easy English Vietnam, right? And then for Easy Vietnamese, that uh, then. Actually, my target student for Easy Vietnamese is not foreigners. They have the few, you know, like the one who was born abroad. Yeah, but they are Vietnamese, but they struggle so much. They grew up in, for example, mm. America. I think that the market here for teaching Vietnamese to foreigners is a little small. So I don't really compete in that, in that market anymore. Yeah. <laughs> But I I try to to focus more on the fifth
0: (laughs) This has not been... So tell us, how then do you teach Vietnamese to VQs? Not you personally, but how Mm -hmm. does your school
1: teach it? Yeah, so actually, I opened Easy English Vietnam like three and a half years ago. Easy Vietnamese, I just opened last year because since I was on the show and then I got a lot of messages of viewers, actually. And they asked me if if that is something that that I can make happen, like, you know, if I can teach them Vietnamese, because every time they watch the videos, they say, oh, we, we love that and we feel connected to the country thanks to your videos." So I thought, well, that would be an interesting thing, but, you know, I don't have a background, so I actually have to went to the school to learn how to teach it and then came back and then, you know, open easy Vietnamese. Yeah, so... It, it's not a very, I, I would say, yeah, uh, I would say it's a very random thing to open last year. Yeah, you know, during the pandemic. But I'm, I'm very glad that I did that because there are so many, you know, heartwarming stories when, when I started it too. Yeah, I love that.
0: That's awesome. You said there, you mentioned that you you're not marketing to foreigners because the market is so small. I feel like if you're marketing mm, to VQs, that market is even smaller.
1: Yeah, but I don't think a lot of centers target VQ, mm. you know. I think it's very, if, if you know, that if you go on expect groups on Facebook and you see that people, they even want to teach for free. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But I just feel like there's a lot of people you know, in, in Saigon has been doing this for a while, but I focus more on, you know, I don't want to use the word trendy, but it's more updated kind of Vietnamese that you can use. For example, if you, if you're in your twenties, yeah, then you would love to come back to Vietnam and, you know, use a, a little more updated Vietnamese, right? Because a lot of, a lot of people, the second generations in the U.S., they actually learn Vietnamese from their grandparents or their parents you know, they feel like they stuck in time, like in 1970, um, 1975, right? For me, I, I see it very clear that they struggle a lot, you know, to get into the culture that is so new to them, even though they are Vietnamese. So, yeah, I, I focus more on that. I, I think that is one of our needs. Yeah.
0: Actually, it makes perfect sense because we've had a lot of VQ, v, Vietnamese overseas guests on the show. And that's something that's come up often about the, the language being frozen in time and, and learning that language. If you've learned Vietnamese from your grandparents who moved to America post-1975, you're learning a different language to the Vietnamese that's spoken now, right?
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think sometimes... Sometimes that even if they if they learn with me and they come back and they talk to their parents, maybe their parents. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I
0: thought you went to Vietnam. What language are you speaking? We don't know this one. Do, does does Vietnamese language update its vocabulary? And oh, what I mean by that question is, so in Scotland, kind of native language is Gaelic, which is spoken in the far north of Scotland, predominantly, not where I'm from in the big city, but my grandparents spoke it, my and their family spoke it. And one thing, so when we last went back to Scotland, we went up to the far north, we went to the Isle of Skye, and we had a friend who was from up there, and she spoke Gaelic. And she explained to us that the Gaelic language didn't update itself. So words like computer or internet didn't have a Gaelic version. So you would say a sentence, but then the word computer would be said in English, but with a Gaelic, a Gaelic accent. And so I wondered... Is, 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 does Vietnam update its language? And I'm laughing as well because so just this weekend, I was talking to a, a young Vietnamese person. She was a teaching assistant. She was 18 or 19. She'd just come back from studying in America. And she used the word simp, S-I-M-P. Now, I'm, yes. I'm showing my age. I had to ask, I was like, I don't know, what does that mean? And she had to explain what simp meant. And uh, so I felt very, very old at that point. But in terms of this conversation, so would the word simp, would there be a Vietnamese equivalent for that?
1: Oh, my God. This is hard. <laughs> I totally understand what simp means, but oh, my God, to translate it. Okay, down, so like, for the
0: other the other um, old people listening, as a, a young person who looks much younger than me, what does simp mean?
1: Oh, like yeah, in yeah, English? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah okay, yeah. So basically, so basically, when, when you simp over somebody, it's it's like you're on over them. You're completely in love with them and crazy about them. And you would do anything. The craziest thing, the, you know? Idolize somebody. yeah. Verb. So that, yeah. yeah. Like you're yeah. simping. You're simping. You're oh, you're super thirsty <laughs> about somebody. <laughs> and I actually learned this over TikTok. You know, I try. I try to update myself. Yeah. See, so I went on TikTok. I'm like, oh, oh, you're simping. Like, okay. And I, I see it a lot on the YouTube, right. you know, on, on my videos. And then people be like, oh, my God, Dwayne, like I love you. and then Somebody like, oh, stop simping. So that's how I learned that. Well,
0: because people said in the videos that you were in saying they were simping on you
1: yeah yeah like people literally like writing oh my god i miss you and i don't even know who that is like they're just like oh you're the best and i'm like oh am i (laughs) but yeah it it was so interesting over the internet
0: tiktok is the way to learn about what the young kids are talking about it is so funny so like you just said did you just say this means you're super thirsty
1: (laughs) so again you're on over yeah
0: I mean that's a new phrase I think I had to look that up or I had to guess the meaning from context like a couple of years ago had that used and it's what does that mean you're like oh right oh yeah I get it I get it it's like these new phrases that pop up and then I use reddit I've I've learned a lot of kind of things from reddit over the over the years and I've definitely I can't remember think of an example but I've definitely had to google stuff to be like what does that even mean and then it then you find out the meaning and then i'll say it or i'll know what it means and my wife will be like how do you know what that means and i'll be like i had to google it like it's so crazy these these terms so to go back then but is there a vietnamese equivalent how would you say simp in vietnamese
1: i don't i can't i can't explain it but i don't know if there's a word like i I literally need to google that myself yeah you know but you know that struggle right like when even, you know, like now I'm, I'm learning German too and they have like the words that they connect together and become one word. And I really don't know how to explain that. It's like you need like three lines <laughs> to really explaining a word. And then, yeah. So I don't know. To ask me right now on the spot.
0: It's <laughs> you think you better get back to it. But yeah, I, I yeah. forgot about that one actually. I mean, I remember yeah when you first come here and you see the... Translations and how many more words are used in Vietnamese. Like, I remember one time at the gym, there was a sign on the bench and it just said, Don't sit here because it's broken. So, like, one line in English. And then there was a paragraph underneath in Vietnamese. And I was like, How, how does that take a paragraph to say, Don't?
1: <laughs> I mean, but, but that, but you know, like, that's why languages kind of reflect on the cultures too. Like, I think that English is very logical. Germany is even more logical <laughs> and Vietnamese it's like I don't know like we we love to describe things I think so yeah and it is really show you know and also like all of the crazy thing about being older being you know a girl a guy like so yeah I I, I find that very interesting as a person who work in education and languages in general like it really reflects the culture you know And I I really believe that when you learn something new, uh, like a new language, then you really have to like immerse, to be immersed in in the culture itself. Yeah. So so that's the reason why I, I totally understand your point of, up translating because it's going to be long in Vietnamese.
0: Yeah. And as I mentioned, so I've always been pretty terrible at languages. I, I struggle to even remember short phrases in any language. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work in my brain. But I always thought that you know you need to be immersed in a culture to to learn the language, and it's clearly not true because after six years in Vietnam, I, I still barely, I still don't speak any Vietnamese. But that's also because we, and again, we've talked about it to death. But there's, there's so many people speak English here, so you're not really immersed in the culture. I'm sure if I had uh, spent six years out in the Vietnamese countryside or out of a major city, then I, I would have absolutely picked up Vietnamese because I would have had to. But when you live in Saigon, especially, then it's not—you're not really immersed in the culture, like at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially in d right?
0: Two, right? District Two, yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't feel like yeah I don't feel like I'm in Vietnam so so I think that that too yeah you need to get out of this bubble once in a while well, so
0: we we've <laughs> actually we lived in district four for about two years and we loved it there because again it was that kind of authentic I know that word is overused but that, the kind of authentic Vietnamese experience then we lived in Phu Nhan, which again was nice but There's a lot of downfalls about living in those areas as well. You know, the noise, the traffic, the pollution, just to name a few. And so we were at the point where we just couldn't, we wouldn't still be in Vietnam if we still lived in those areas. Like it was an unbelievable experience. Like I would never change it. And I I know there are lots of people who come to Vietnam or Saigon, sorry, and just move straight to District 2. And that's fine because everyone has different situations. If your kids are going to school here or that's just what you want, I don't judge you for that. But you will miss out, like we lived in like you know tiny little street, a little apartment down in d four uh, where d four is like a completely different kettle of fish. Phu Funyan was like super Vietnamese neighborhood, but you could tell it was wealthier than District Four, which is one of the poorest districts, and so you start to, to see like, <clears throat> I know no culture is a monoculture, right, but you start to be like, oh yeah, they're... because when you first move here, it's just all Vietnam, then you're like it's all Saigon. But then the longer you're here, you're like, oh, no, this is D4. Like, D4 is different. Then we went to Phu yeah. and It's like, oh, yeah, it's still Vietnamese people, but these Vietnamese people have more money, and that's visible. Just like in any city in the world, you could go to, I know, places in Glasgow, you could go to a neighborhood in Glasgow, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, the, po- the people are poor here. Then you go to another neighborhood just a few miles away, and it's like, oh, wow, these people have money. So we had a, an amazing experience of that. We lived in D7 for a little bit. But once we made that decision to stay in Vietnam longer term, we decided to move to Tao Dien. And so it's given me one of my best jokes, though, because what this joke, I haven't told this for a while, because because like everything, like right now, we're doing a conversation on Zoom, so we can't do any comedy shows. And so the comedy shows that we've been doing one a week online, of course, and we have people from all over the world joining from Malaysia, Taiwan, the UK, the US. So half of my jokes I can't use because they're very Vietnam or Saigon specific jokes that these people would just not get. So this one I haven't actually used in ages, but the joke goes, a few years ago, I got sick of living in Vietnam. I was over it. I couldn't stand it anymore. So I decided to leave Vietnam and I moved to Taodian.
1: <laughs> That's a funny joke, <laughs> but it's very accurate though. Yeah, I I, I totally get that. It's, it's a different one. To be honest with you, yeah, I, I confess. I've been in Saigon for 10 years as well. But yeah, I I, I don't really get out of the bubble. I've only been around apartment mm-hmm. buildings. I never really get out in a real house, in a real neighborhood. Yeah, And I so
0: I used to I judge totally people that, that lived in the bubble and things like that. And now I am a full bubble wanker. I love it here. But the thing is, wherever you live, you don't really leave very often. When I lived in D4, you know, Spent most of my time in D4. When I lived in Funyan, I spent most of my time in Funyan. Well, the thing was in, when we lived in Funyan, we started coming to District 2 more and more. So it was like, well, let's just move there because we're traveling here so much. <laughs> but so I used to judge people that lived here, and now I'm one of those people and I stick up for them and defend them because it's definitely like, you know, it, it is what it is. And it's one of the things for me when we lived in uh, District 4. Well, you know what Vietnam's like. There's so many schools, so many government primary schools, because there's so many school children Mm -hmm. in Vietnam. It's such a young population. So you can't go more than 200 meters without coming across another school, right? So both apartments that we lived in, in separate parts of District 4, both had, and you know what it's like with a a Vietnamese primary school, 6 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, the loudspeaker comes on, everyone's chanting, yelling. So every morning we were getting woken up at like 6, 6.30 a.m. from the school. Then during the day, the mobile phone shop underneath our building would have a loudspeaker on pumping out dance tunes like Vina House. I had to go down and be like, can you turn this speaker off? It was the same tune on repeat all day. And they were like, oh, no, but it's a promotion. I was like, I don't care if it's a promotion. I'm like upstairs. Like I live here. Then you get at nighttime, then it gets to like 11 o'clock, you've got the guys on the street singing karaoke with a loudspeaker. So there's all these things that, you know, and I hear some people try and make themselves sound really cool. They're like, oh, yeah, no, I live in Vietnam, it's really cool. Yeah, no, it's such an experience. And you're like, yeah, it is an experience, but it like sucks for a lot of the time, you know. And (laughs) And it's not just a foreign, I don't think that's just foreigners. that say that I spoke to plenty of Vietnamese people that hate karaoke at 11 p.m. and hate being woken up at 6 a.m. by the school kids like I don't think that's but maybe correct me if I'm wrong is that just me being an, a foreign wanker or do Vietnamese people feel the same
1: <laughs> no no we, we we feel the same right but I think that the older generation or the people you know who live in like local area that I, I think it just become the norms for them you know because they they just be like that for so many years yeah for for me, it's definitely like something crazy to 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 hear something at six thirty. Yeah, but I think I think it becomes the the norms for them. Yeah, and and that's the reason why they don't really pay attention that much, even though yeah, it's not it's not uh, it's not relaxing. No, <laughs> it's not something you look forward to in the morning. No.
0: Well, one thing that we've noticed, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe this ties into what you just mentioned about the older generation. Is that Vietnamese people just seem to have this incredible ability to drown out noise? They just do don't mean? hear it. They just drown yeah. out, like you, you know. <laughs> what I mean? And maybe that's the older generation because we we'll, we we'll hear things like that are just infuriating. This loudspeaker, for example, that drove me crazy. But I'm the only one that's being driven crazy here. Everyone else is just going about their day normally, and that's just a small example. I feel like I do feel as a Westerner, I, I'm. And I've lived in quiet places all my life like I love the quiet like I, I lived on a I lived on a summer camp in the winter. it was sixty four acres with three other people. so and I've lived we've lived in New Zealand and where I lived in Scotland is silent. so I'm used to silence and I don't just mean quiet I'm used to silence. so I am very irritable with noise and I know that's that's my thing but I do think that Vietnamese people have an incredible ability to just drown out all background noise and pay no attention to it.
1: I think so, yeah. We we, we grew up with really loud noises in general, you know? And yeah, like like your uh, podcast name, 7 million bites. We hear it every single day. Like, we get used to it, you know? I think maybe we have like a shield kind of <laughs> for ourselves yeah i think so so we get used to that for sure but i totally understand that yeah like if you're in like quiet area then you're like this is nightmare yeah and i think that's
0: exactly what it is but and we've we've guessed that that the reason is if you've grown up with that noise all the time then it's just you know you don't you don't notice it but i've got an interesting question you've made me think of And I think in Vietnam right now, obviously, we're seeing a massive change, right, economically, in society and everything. What do you think is the big, do you think this right now is the biggest jump in terms of generation between like the younger Vietnamese people who are between, you know, 15 to 30 years old and then between the generation after that?
1: Yes, for sure. Like, you know if we talk about history, right, like my parents would be like that generation would be like still after the war and they still having a lot of political changes in in the government. Yeah. And for us, like we grew up like very peacefully and sometimes we take it for granted, but I, I think so. Like I can see that. So I was born in 1995, right? Like the last year of being a millennial, I've seen a big difference between me and the 1996 like the the, the gen z and then they like they so like smart and active and they they know on this crazy technology and i don't know what's going on anymore i think that the internet definitely make everything it's a flat word you know my student even like they in first grade and they speak better english than most of the people that i know <laughs> you know it's, it's crazy it's changing and yeah, I, I do believe that I'm in Saigon, the best city for startups. Yeah, as a as a startup owner myself, I think, wow, this is exciting. And it, it's never happened before. And even the government, they they quite open. I know that a lot of people think like, oh, Vietnam is a communist country. What's going on? But <laughs> I I think that yeah, the government is definitely aware and we we are quite open to you know international investment or even just the influence. Yeah, I, I do believe that it's a very exciting time, apart from Corona, yeah. but <laughs> in general. You get that's that, a given. Course, yeah. That's a given,
0: right? So, how do you think then the older generation, then, do you think that's a massive clash between that? older traditional generation which you know i see through my own eyes as i guess you guys would call like the aunties and the uncles they're still hanging out in their pajamas on the streets have a very different view of life especially the family structure you know i know as a teacher the students i've spoke to who do you live with and they'll describe you know in a house there'll be three generations in in one house which is completely normal as you've mentioned we now have apartment buildings all over saigon so that means that obviously people that are that millennial generation, like you mentioned, they're not staying at home anymore like traditionally, I would imagine, and then they're moving into apartment blocks, having a nuclear family. I hate that term, nuclear family, but you know what I mean? They're having a, two kids, three kids, husband and wife in an apartment, not living with the auntie, the uncle, the grandmother, the grandparents, all of that. So I don't know much about that kind of clash of cultures. Is that a thing? And how, how does that play out, I guess, is my question
1: you know because i i've told you that i've been in the bubbles for a long time so i do believe that my circle is is similar to me and maybe that is the reason why that i have this perspective of, of things are changing but i do believe that in some you know district you know up or something a little further i i do believe that they still have the tradition you know, when we talk about it, the norms and yeah, living together and always in the community and not a lot of privacy, but yeah, I can tell that, especially with middle-class and, you know, and a little higher. Yeah. Then people, the, the younger kids, they, they are just like kids in America or, or Europe. I don't know that they very much, you know, about themselves and have this self-development, but yeah, very, they don't to be out there yeah they want to stand down and and you know not land in, in the community so much so i i think i think it's changing but in different area then it then it would it would have different speed mm. for example in d2 d1 right and you see wow it's it's just like any cities in the world but yeah if you go back to my hometown for example we still yeah, like some of my friends, they already have kids, you know, two kids, and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out my life. So yeah, so I, I do believe that yeah, it's happening, but the speeds kind of vary enorm- enormously. Yeah. yeah. That? And and I, I'm happy with my <laughs> circle. I don't want to go back to, <laughs> to that. Yeah, I feel comfortable now.
0: That that's a really interesting point. I was when I was asking that question there, I was more thinking about the clash of cultures between living in the same city, I guess. But now you've made me realize, you know, because obviously I've traveled all over Vietnam. And as soon as you step out of Saigon, you know, you don't even need to go far. It's a different world. There's no English signs. Most people don't speak English. You know, it's, it's I mean, I, you only need to go half an hour drive if that out of Saigon and you're in a different world. And then, so where, what town are you from? Where are you from?
1: So I'm from Bwanda. Okay. and. Do you know where it is? (laughs) Probably
0: not. I know the name. Both Saigon Children's Charity and Blue Dragon have emergency COVID appeals. The outbreak of the Delta variant is wreaking havoc on vulnerable communities across Vietnam. Families are struggling to survive. They need your help, especially impoverished children in lockdown areas. You can sponsor a COVID backpack now with Saigon Children's Charity, containing food staples hygiene necessities, books, and games to a child in COVID-affected areas in Vietnam so that they know they are taken care of physically and mentally. Or in the north, you can donate an emergency food pack through Blue Dragon. It contains fruit and vegetables, rice and staples to keep children and families going. Food will be bought locally and will include a mix of fresh food and longer-lasting items. For families who are hard to reach, your donation will provide a cash grant to buy food at the local market. The links to donate are in the description. And if you're in a position to please donate whatever you can. Thanks. So I'm from
1: Buangai. And do you know where it is? (laughs) Probably not.
0: I know the name. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah. So it's like two hours, three hours from Danan yeah it's not a very touristy city so yeah a lot of people kind of pass by without stopping <laughs> yeah but it is beautiful and we famous for the least i was just island. about
0: to say i do know Quang Yai. we Yee. went to lishon island right before lockdown that was the last place we went to we had an unbelievable time there yeah That's we awesome. have still got black garlic that we're eating right now it's my favorite thing in the world is black garlic so good
1: Awesome. Yeah. So we are famous for that, that, that island. Yeah. Not, not us oh, because I'm not from there, but we are the province. Yeah. So famous for garlic and onions. Yeah. yeah. No.
0: When you said mm-hmm. Quang Ngai and you saw me smile, I was like, I know it. I know it. I just couldn't remember how I knew it. <laughs> you yes. know, yeah, that was the last place we went to <laughs> and it was unbelievable. It's, it's really sad because with uh, obviously COVID and the lockdowns and stuff, they're struggling more than more than ever right mm-hmm. now. But it's a beautiful, beautiful place. So hopefully more people can go there. So what brought you to Saigon then?
1: So I actually moved here when I was 15 for high school. Yeah, and it's a big move. A lot of people, they, you know, Asian kids always stay with Asian parents. <laughs> we together always. But yeah. I decided to make that move because I, I know from a very young age that I, I want to be in a bigger city. I want to explore options. Yeah, so I moved here for high school, and I've been here for like uh, 10 years. Or so
0: what made you then open up an English language school or a, a Vietnamese school? So what made you open up both of these schools?
1: Mm, so, yeah, so I actually didn't do anything related to education before this, yes, but I have the background of digital Yeah. After, after me and my, my mentor, we, yeah, we, we stopped doing Redbook is a mobile app. The company we do together. And I was just like, Oh, what, what do I do now? Like, I don't know. (laughs) And then there are some people, they just kind of message me randomly. They'd be like, Hey, how do you say that in English? You know, they kind of trust me with English. And I'd be like, Oh, okay. Like, I don't, I don't really teach, but I can show you a few things. And then my boyfriend at the time, you know, like back then, he was just basically told me like, you know that you can actually make a business out of this, right? And then he literally sat down, you know, and on the, on the Excel sheet and he was just doing some like really simple, random calculation. And he's like, you can do this. Like, this is actually can be a business. And I'm like, okay, let's try. And then, you know, it's a crazy ride. And yeah, I ended up here now and easy Vietnamese, I told you, yeah, just, just after I was on the show and I believe that I was kind of naive back then, but it's, it's helped, you know, with entrepreneurship, it's really helped to be kind of naive and then just, just come in and then, you know, just try. Yeah. And that's how I started. I do think that I have this influence of my mom. She's a teacher as well, but she teaches literature my dad is a journalist. So I do believe that I'm in this environment. Yeah. Where I, I, I kind of have this, this, I tend to go into education, but I, I kind of refuse it for, for a while, <laughs> kind of denied it and say, you know, I don't really want to go in there. Yeah. But later I, I I, figure that I really love learning. And I think this is something that I want to do for a long time. That's yeah. awesome.
0: Do you, what uh... Do you think eventually Vietnam will become almost like the Philippines in terms of everyone can speak English as a second language?
1: Well, actually the numbers, I'm not saying that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, so I check and then we cut it in the bottom yeah, of countries in Southeast Asia that actually speak English. I do believe back to my point of the income difference, the gap. And I see that very clear now in Vietnam. If you go to a rural area, it, it's sad. And people don't really get access to anything. Like education is like a luxury. I think that we need to work on that first, you know, make education kind of accessible to everybody. And that is something that I believe in. And I'm trying to do that. Yeah, but I think it would take quite some time. Yeah, to, to kind of balance that gap between rural area and then cities like in Saigon you see that in Saigon everybody kind of like very much about mm-hmm. it right speaking English is kind of cool yeah it's a cool thing and it shows how smart you are which I don't believe that but a lot of my students when they come in they have this kind of like they don't feel so confident they have this insecurity that they think that if they don't speak English well that they kind of hide everything they hide everyone and yeah, so I I think so. I think I think the numbers are not saying that we're catching up. I hope so, but yeah, I have <laughs> hopes. But I think it would take quite some time. And
0: yeah. Do you think again that's going to be something else that is unequal? You can imagine, so the people with money, the people who are wealthier, their children, especially, and which is going to be like those people tend to live in the big cities. There will be biling more bilingual people in the big cities and I can see that happening already, which is then as we mentioned, as soon as you go out of those cities, then it just drops to almost zero, right?
1: Mm. Yeah. And I think you know, Vietnam, like in, in South Asia, we close to you know Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, right? And y- you can see that on those countries, they are kind of multiple culture. Yeah. That the Indians and the Chinese, yeah, and the Malays all together. In Vietnam, we don't usually see that. We only see Vietnamese. And that is something that I encourage, you know, my students or people that I know to travel, just because you would have a different view and then you would have this motivation to, to be bilingual or to kind of discover different culture and not be so judgmental <laughs> in general, yeah. So so yeah, I think, I think Vietnamese people are very friendly, but we kind of... Is sometimes quite detrimental towards different races. And I I, I hope that it's, I think that the younger generation, not so much. Yeah. But yeah, the the older generation, they need a little bit of time. Yeah. And thanks to the internet and everything, I think it's getting better. (laughs) Smaller. Yeah. But yeah, I think so. I think a lot about geographic situation as well. Yeah. We don't really see other. other kind different kind of people that much. (laughs) Yeah. If you come back to my hometown, people will be like, wow, so white, (laughs) so so hairy. (laughs) But yeah, you know, it is purely curiosity. Yeah. Like they don't mean anything, but it's just like, wow, something so new. And they think they assume that you would have a totally different lifestyle and yeah, everything's different. They don't see you as a human being, <laughs> they see you as something different. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. Yeah. At the end, like we all used, <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, and I think that it, it has a lot to do with education. Yeah. Like the, the knowledge that you gain and the experience. Yeah.
0: And it's interesting what you say about like Malaysia, for example, you have Chinese Malaysian, Indian Malaysians, and you have different melting pots of cultures, right? And I guess even growing up, mm-hmm. I've talked to this, talked about this to my wife, like even growing up in the uk or in scotland we would learn about america being like the melting pot or a mosaic because it's all these different cultures and that's what kind of made america and still makes America's story so amazing so great and almost unique and different because it's all these people from all over the world came to live in this one place and so you have this melting pot of cultures and so vietnam is on the other end of that scale though where it's uh a monoculture almost right and I know there's nuances and I know there's I think there's over 200 different kind of ethnicities right in Vietnam but it's still pretty much all the same right but the funny thing is you say about Vietnamese are judgmental against other cultures or whatnot but I mean I know from experience that the north and the south obviously have their issues then the central areas in the the south don't don't exactly get on too well and I think it's pretty similar with the central areas and and the North. So even though it is all one big kind of monoculture to be a very general overview, but there's definitely still some factions within that, isn't there? Mm,
1: for sure. For sure. And yeah, I think I, I don't, I don't care so much. Yeah. But we, yeah, because we have this war and then, and then we kind of be separated, right? At the north and the south, and yeah, and it is kind of sensitive, you know, like a very sensitive topic. And I know a lot of people they don't talk about it, but they just silently, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. But I I think that I do believe that good and bad people are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I I do believe that you you really need to know somebody. I yeah, just talk to them, but there's one thing that I I think it's true. It's stereotype. It's true. <laughs> you know, like the stereotype. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like you, you, yeah, right? Yeah. You, you say a stereotype, yeah, but like kind of true. But I think we need to kind of just laugh it off, you know, and then just kind of look at that in a funny way and then, and then try to get better in some ways. Yeah. But because I'm from the central and yeah, we, we definitely have some stereotype. <laughs> yeah. And we, we tend to move to the South more. Yeah. Because we believe that people here are like friendlier or you know open to new businesses, so yeah, and even even northern people move mm-hmm. here too. So I think that they 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 are very much we are all very well aware of that fact, but it will take some time to <laughs> to kind of even it out or maybe <laughs> not. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe it what makes it you know so different. Yeah, and so so like various. In, in into our culture yeah so I don't know I think I think it's a
0: good thing one what well, one think? of the things one of the <laughs> things that I find the, the funniest is so obviously as you will know that a lot of foreigners think that they get ripped off on maybe even a small level you know they get given the foreigner price which is maybe a little bit more expensive or whatnot but what I've been told by Vietnamese friends is that Vietnamese ripped other Vietnamese off more than a foreigner gets ripped off. And so, for example, if you, you're laughing, because you know this is true, and my friend has told me this, if she goes to Hanoi and they can hear her accent, which is obviously completely different, so immediately they know she's from Saigon, the price will, the price will yeah. double immediately.
1: True, yeah, it, it happens. It happens to to me as well. But I don't take it very much personal. I think... I think again, they just need to know what's going on. You know, they just need to get to know each other. And and I think that as a as a person from the central, I I don't really I don't bring that into, you know, into the. I don't I don't really think about it on a daily basis. I think it's yeah maybe you just meet a very bad person. Yeah, and I think it, it happened everywhere. Even if I go to if I if I go shopping here, then sometimes I get the same situation. So I try to be open-minded about it. I also know a lot of great northern people. So you know what I mean? I I think that it it's just something it will be better. You just need to be cautious, you know, anywhere in the world, to be honest. Yeah, if I travel somewhere new, I would just be, I don't know, try to protect myself. <laughs> But I don't take it personal as something only northerner North or only southerner would do, you know. Yeah, I think I think it just only create a little more kind of division for us. Yeah, so I I would just 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 kind of deal it all. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and do not really think too much about. But it. It.
0: It's, it does make me laugh when I hear foreigners complain about being ripped off, and I'm like, <laughs> it's not it's not just because you're a foreigner. Like it's not like don't don't take it personal, like yeah. you said, it's not. <laughs> One thing, so we haven't talked about it yet. I mentioned in the beginning, you were a seasonal host on the best ever food review shows now, so some people who will be listening will know exactly what that is, and some people will have no idea. Tell us what is the best ever food review show and how did you get involved?
1: Yes, <laughs> so exciting. So thats ever food review show is a food review channel, but what makes a difference i I think is the quality like it's really crazy quality it's not something that is like a v-blogging or something this is like a real production thing yeah like I, i've seen the team and it's crazy and they review food so what they want to try to do is like tell story through food so it would be like on over the world and it's a covid that we've been stuck here for like two years and the content is only in vietnam and that's how I get involved, actually. Yeah. And now I think they reached seven, uh, seven, seven, mil- 7 million, seven million wow. subscribers. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. And it's like, right. And then I think it's like one of the biggest uh, food reviews channels on on YouTube. And I feel incredibly lucky to to get involved. So me and Sonny, the channel owner, we have a mutual friends. And then one day the friend just kind of text me and, my friend is looking for somebody who can eat and then react. <laughs> like, do you want to get involved? I'm like, okay, it sounds it's it's fun. And I have no like prior experience, you know. So I was just like him come in and then I'm like, okay, how hard can it be. And the, the coolest thing is Sonny actually gave me my old segment called the 10 Dining Dollar, a10 dollar dining. And he gave me ten dollars, and I have to figure out three meals for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I hosted that alone. Yeah, so it's a really really cool cool thing to. That would be do. so easy. Yeah.
0: Breakfast come time, lunch come time, dinner come time, done. Less than <laughs> less tam. than a hundred thousand dong. I'll have that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner.
1: <laughs> we we got a lot of comments about that too. They say, "Oh, ten dollars <laughs> easy in Vietnam." I'm like, "You're right. You're kind of right."
0: But you can still yeah. get so much good food out of it to make a to make a good episode, right? And it's
1: you wanna get some yeah. different
0: food. Not all food is super cheap, you know, if you wanna you can't really eat fur for five episodes, you know.
1: Yeah, true. And um, I'm I'm lucky though, because the producer, they are so, so good. Yeah, and they, I don't know if you interviewed some of them, (laughs) but they are amazing. Like, yeah, the producer is amazing.
0: So Liz was meant to be on the last season, but as you mentioned, so the team, I don't know if you did mention actually, so the, the team from the Best of a Food Review Show have moved over to the US because we're in a lockdown right now in Saigon and so obviously can't do any food reviews if there's no food to review. So they've relocated to the US so so Liz didn't come on, and we'll, maybe we'll try and get her back on when, when when they come back or if they come back, which they hopefully will. I've spoke to Sunny about coming on and again, just so busy with with everything. I actually randomly mm. met Sunny in our restaurant. He, he had a, a new dog, and we have a dog, and we got chatting. And then this is actually one of these crazy, crazy stories. We were sitting, my wife and I and our dog Sunday afternoon, having an afternoon drink. And I text Liz and I'd already been talking to Liz about Sonny potentially coming on. And she's like, yeah, we'll try and find a time. He's busy and blah, blah, blah. That's fine. And you know, I hadn't spoken to her for a while. So I just randomly flicked her a message and said, hey, any update, is Sonny free anytime soon? And she hadn't even responded. And I, I promise you, about 30, 60 seconds later, Sonny walked over to me with his dog and had a question about dogs. I can't remember what it was now. And so, so we had a conversation about dogs for a good few minutes. And then I was like, so I have to tell you something. I was like, I just messaged Liz about you just a minute ago. I was like, I'm Neil from 7 Million Bikes, and this is a really weird coincidence. I just messaged about you. <laughs> and, and now we're having this conversation. So we've we've messaged back and forth a couple of times. Uh, since then, obviously we, we won't be doing an interview anytime soon, but hopefully when the when the team comes back, we'll get we'll get him all Liz on the show as well and then you came you were introduced to me through previous guest as well Mika Chu who is a mutual friend and she has been amazing like since she's been on she's been so lovely she's introduced me to other people she's been so supportive with the show uh, and we still message each other like hey how you doing and hopefully you're trying to help help each other get through this tough time of lockdown so thank you very much to Mika for uh, introducing me to you and yes then when you when she introduced you to me then you were like oh yeah I listened to the show which always blows me away and I've said this before and I tell people when I speak to them even recently a couple of people who I knew were like oh yeah listen and I was like wait what it's this strange thing that I just don't even though I see the numbers, I just don't ever think that anyone listens. So when, (laughs) because you just make it, like we're doing it right now and then you put it out and then it's kind of, it's out there. So anytime when someone says, oh yeah, listen, I'm like, wait, what? So it was same same when you said that as well. I was like, that's so cool. So I'll put you on the spot. What's your favorite episode?
1: Yeah, I actually listened to the one that Nika was on because, you know, I, yeah, so I actually, how did I meet her? Oh, we met at the networking events of Saviu, And um, yeah, and I saw her on many, many TV shows, you know? And yeah, and, and I was like, wow, she's so cute. <laughs> and she, she can speak many languages, what I'm trying to do now. Yeah, so, and we live very close by as well. Yeah, so, so actually that we hang. And then, yeah, I, I listened to a few of, of yours. But I really like the one that she was on. Yeah, like you said, she was. I yeah. love her. <laughs> she is so 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 fun to to be around. She's yeah. so
0: lovely. So we'll we'll finish mm. up on that note. We're, we're, but we're going to finish with the same questions that I will be asking everyone at the end of season seven. And by the time this episode is has gone to air and is out in the world, we'll have hit over 20,000 downloads total. In the podcast world, 20,000 downloads is like a massive, massive achievement. So uh, by this time, when this comes out, we'll be well past that. So that's that's very exciting. But so for seasons...
1: Thank you very much. Uh, I've said it before.
0: <laughs> uh, when I first started, I thought we'd have maybe 10 people listen and it was just going to be a wee hobby. And now... Uh, 7 million bikes is basically my full time job now, which is awesome. And that's what I was going to say as well. Sonny's a massive inspiration because I saw kind of his story and how he just started with basically like just a dude doing some videos about food review. You know, there's no big, you're mentioning about the production quality, which is ridiculously high, really well made show. But when you watch the first videos that he did, it was just a guy reviewing some food. And I, so that, that really gives me a lot of inspiration because we just started off as like a little hobby, even now. I mean, we're having to do it on Zoom, the productions. If anyone's listening, sorry, the sound probably isn't as good as it normally is because we're having to do it on the on the old Zoom. But uh, that's an inspiration to see where you can get to. So he's obviously now 7 million subscribers and whatnot. On I have 38 subscribers on YouTube right now, but you have to start somewhere, right? So of course.
1: Everyone's, Kudos everyone to you. starts
0: at zero, right? All right. So the first question, as we kind of mentioned, we haven't talked about it too much because we don't want to dwell on the negativity that we're living through right now. But if you could get on a motorbike and drive anywhere right now, where would you go?
1: I don't want to disappoint you, but this is a very (laughs) hypothetical question for me because I don't drive. (laughs) But yeah, if I can actually do that in real life, then I would love to come back home. No, but wait, wait, wait. You yeah. can get on
0: the ba- you can get on the back <laughs> of a bike, and second of all, you can't go to Quang Nai on a bike. We're not comfortably. Yes, you can. Would that
1: you take? can you How can. long would that take? Um, like a day, like a day or two. I mean, yeah. I guess you could if you, you can, had a really nice can.
0: big bike. You made a day trip of. I mean, more about like if you were to just jump on a little Honda Novo and you can go somewhere <laughs> somewhere can't. nearby. Where would you go to anywhere in Saigon or within, you know, just think about like, because right now, right now we can't Saigon, go anywhere. Right? So the kind of question is, if you could just go, jump on a bike, get a grab, where would you go?
1: Oh, good
0: question. Twenty thousand, twenty thousand <laughs>
1: downloads. I told you. Oh my god. They, oh my God! Yeah, because I haven't been out uh, for so long. Three I months. I have so it's many, three months now. Yeah, I have so many. I have so many options that I want to <laughs> do. But yeah, to I, I I would say like like a river, yeah, something something like a river, or or maybe like a really big park, you know, because you don't want to let me go home. So, <laughs> yeah. Or these the are river. these are amazingly um, yeah. specific
0: answers. This is like when you talk to one of your students. <laughs> a river the park no where where would you go
1: <laughs> or I can just want to go back to Salah yeah I also have the apartment there and I love is very nice yeah you, you got know? the big
0: the big lotus yeah, flower. yeah so, is yeah. that Salah yeah
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah the flower the flower bridge yeah, and I think that yeah, it, it can sound crazy, but this is a luxury to us yeah, yeah. right now because we cannot go out. So that
0: that was more yeah. the meaning of the question. We're stuck in lockdown. You can jump on a bike. <laughs> Where would you go, relatively nearby? Because right now we can't leave our apartment. No, I'm going to go to Quang Nai. <laughs> but maybe I need to explain the question better next time right (laughs) still on the topic of lockdown what has been the most challenging thing about the past three months of lockdown for us right now we're at the end of august by the time this comes out we'll probably still be in lockdown what's been the most challenging thing for you
1: i think that i'm I'm, I'm pretty good with day-to-day things but i think what's really challenging for me it's just how to look into the future you know about how when things are going to be normal again because I see the cases are rising up in even the UK when they pass 70 percent of vaccination rate so when is it going to be normal again and every time I think about it I'm just kind of depressed (laughs) so I try not to think about it yeah I I try to focus on the day-to-day thing Mm. more yeah I I try not to
0: answer these questions because I I don't want to if I answer them every time, then I'll be answering them ten times for every episode. <laughs> but uh, in this case, mm. my answer would be the same as yours. Day to day stuff's not too bad, but right now, thinking about the future is really difficult. And anytime I do let myself think too far ahead, it's quite depressing and quite worrying. Because, like you said as well, it's not just here; it's it's worldwide. So it's uh, let's not think too much about the future. But on on the flip side, what has been the best thing about lockdown
1: for you? It's time for myself. I love that. Yeah, I think I, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a very social person and I I need that. I need to get out. I need to talk to people. But it's true that when you always spend time outside, then you don't really, you know, go back and then really ask yourself questions and know who you really are. So yeah, during this time, I've been reading a lot of books and I've been doing a lot of healing. (laughs) I know I sell one of those <laughs> guru online. <laughs> Go back in words and meditate. Yeah, but that's what I do every day. And I I think that I understand myself much more now. Yeah, I I I love this because I don't have FOMO anymore because everybody's no. <laughs> hello. So <laughs> I can spend, I can spend this time and then really like, you know, think about what I'm gonna do about my my job about what I'm doing right now and do I really want to do that and so yeah so I think a great time for myself to think and not scared that everybody is (laughs) (laughs) everybody stay home that's a good one
0: no FOMO (laughs) I guess there's no one doing no no FOMO. FOMO I like that one so what what in Vietnam shocked you the most
1: I've been thinking about these questions, and I'd be like, "Hey, I'm Vietnamese, right? <laughs> Things shouldn't shock me, but I think it's the ability to balance everything on the Like, <laughs> <motorbike.
0: laughs>
1: you know of that, course. right? I've seen that, the, and it and it surprises me every time. How can you got the whole fridge, or no, ten chicken, and then the a yeah. pig? <laughs> I don't get it. They can balance anything, anything on the motorbike and they can ship to you within days. And oh, God, this is crazy. Yeah. yeah. The ability to balance things on a motorbike. My final <laughs> so answer. So you just
0: said, how could I answer this as a Vietnamese? I, to- I knew, totally knew you could have an answer for that. Of course, things would <laughs> shock you even as a Vietnamese. So again, on the flip side, what pleasantly surprises you about Vietnam?
1: I think that the ability to just get through so much I think Vietnamese people you know I know that I complain sometimes about the fact that oh we are so much in the community and you know my privacy where but I think I, I just I just love that how people can be in a community you know and and just be so so nice and always share things but they always think about you know like, I, even I don't know my neighbors and I feel bad I should know <laughs> you know. And, and I love that about Vietnamese. We always, you know, in this community and um, yeah, growing up as well. And I think that's the reason why that we've been through, you know, 1,000 years of Chinese invaders and, you know, and a hundred years of friends in America. And we are still here, you know, with, with the language and the people, even we are so close to China, but we still Vietnamese, you know, and, and I think that is what I love the most about about vietnamese we are just so what is that we're resilient oh my god yes I'm a teacher. please cover that <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> yeah and yeah and and we, we just have this ability you know to just get through things and and I, i'm i'm so amazed i i always wonder if, if i'm my parents you know in that position i don't know if i can get through it i'm so not ready for this yeah but they did that they go through war and they they go through, you know, all the changes, and they still here, and they they're doing better than ever. So yeah, I I love that about. Oh, I
0: love that yeah. answer. That's brilliant. That's a perfect way to finish up. So normally I would tell, give my guests the opportunity to promote their Instagram or whatnot, but you don't need to promote it because you've already got ten thousand followers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you if you wanna, you know, yeah, kind of have a conversation about education or entrepreneurship, please, yeah just send me a message on instagram at queen bar 12 one, two yeah because queen bar is already taken <laughs> there's um, already a living yeah, room number 12 <laughs> yeah right and then i hate to put one two and then <laughs>
0: but if people do want to follow you if they want to learn more about you or your schools this is your chance tell them where to find that information
1: Yes, since we live in Vietnam, I rely wholeheartedly <laughs> on Facebook too. Yeah, you can you can follow Easy English Vietnam and Easy Vietnamese on Facebook and Instagram with the same handle. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate this time because, you know, we're getting locked lockdown <laughs> and this talk, it is so, 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 so awesome. Yeah. And I can have this chance to share with everyone. I really want to promote learning. Yeah. I hope that everybody, you know, keep being curious and keep learning and it will help you go very, very far.
0: <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Tuin. It's been amazing speaking to you. Thank you for listening as well. Stay safe, stay strong, and we will definitely all get through this eventually.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for making you know the podcast so I can yeah. listen to you. <laughs> and now you can listen to your
0: own episode. What an Inception Meta. Yay! <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. We hope you enjoy hearing our guest stories. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and turn on notifications so you never miss a new episode. Thank you so much to our producer, Lewis Wright, for making sure the show sounds as good as possible for you. And also a big thanks to the 7 Million Bikes community members and everyone who supports us. Don't forget, if you haven't already, you can join the community today. The link is in the description and you'll get free event tickets, free 7 million bikes, face mask and invites to special member events. Also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and I'm still ashamed to say this, TikTok. Most of all, if you can, please donate to Saigon Children's Charity or Blue Dragon's Children Foundation's COVID Appeals. Remember, we have six seasons of stories to share with you, so check them out if you haven't already. And we hope you can listen to future episodes too, so you can laugh, connect and discover. Cheers.